Well, before we get started, you want to open our Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be in this chapter this week. And Brian entrusted me the pulpit this morning, so I guess you're stuck with me for the next 30 minutes. So let's pray this goes smoothly, yeah? <laughs> so just a little review. We've been in the, the series of Greater Than. And two weeks ago, Brian preached on why abiding in Christ is so important. That it's just not this legalistic way of living, right? It's not these do's and don'ts lists, but rather the question we should be asking is, am I abiding in Christ? Am I in Christ? Am I putting my faith in Christ on a daily basis? And we'll get into that a little more this morning. But. And then last week, Kyle did a wonderful job in preaching on either we are of Satan or we are of Christ, right? There's really no other two options. And if we believe in the gospel, we should have great confidence in our salvation, that we don't have to wander, we don't have to wonder, which is sweet. So today we're going to be talking about um, why we should have a heart for the church and not against it. Why we should have a heart not against the church, but for it. So yesterday, we all know it was Halloween, but do you know what also it was? The day of? It was Reformation Day. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Oh, it's my favorite, I promise. (laughs) And on this day, 503 years ago, yesterday, I guess, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. Now, in these 95 theses, which was just 95... 95 statements to which Luther saw as contradictions to the word of God. Luther explained to the church of that day how the interpretation of the scripture had been skewed. And just kind of cover my basis, it was perfectly fine for him just to nail that to the door. Like, it was just their bulletin board just to use it as, hey, this is what we should have a scholarly debate about. Let's talk about this. This might be a revision that we want to start thinking about. It's like me just texting Kyle, being like, hey, man, you got to grow out your beard. That was beautiful. He has a beautiful beard, right? And we can have a scholarly debate about this, right? But it was just fine for him. And in no way was he trying to start a revolution or even a church split, but rather just a, a discussion. What he was trying to do was he was trying to explain the true gospel as it was lost in that day. And from these five sayings that were introduced to us by the move of the Reformation were the five solas. Now, sola in Latin means just alone. So we got the Christ alone, soli dia gloria, glory to God alone, and sola scriptura, scripture alone. And from this, the gospel made a reemergence to the world. Now, before we go any further, I need to pray for us and for me. So, Lord, as we move into this next time of just opening your word, would you just speak through your text and and through your words, Lord? Heavenly Father, would you open our hearts and open our minds to you, Jesus, and convict us of where we need to be convicted and encourage us where we need to be encouraged because this is what your word is for, Lord. This is why we love your word that it makes us more like you and encourages us when we are in our sorrow. And Heavenly Father, we need it and we love it. And we thank you this morning for it. 
Heavenly Father, we love you. And in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as I said, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, which says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are of God whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Who is in the world? They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Isn't that sweet? So this week, as we read, it was kind of a confusing passage to uh, get through. There's a lot of spirits and the Antichrist, and it was very confusing for me. So let's just spend a few moments just breaking down what John means. So when John wrote this, he wasn't just speaking about spirits that were far off or just like in the spiritual realm that we don't actually interact with, but what he's calling these spirits as is like the people who interact with the church on a day-to-day basis, like you and I, right? We would be of God because we put our faith in Christ. Right? We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us because of that faith. Just as Kyle had preached last week on whether we are of Christ or we are of Satan. Right? We, are, we belong to one of the two spirits. But let's just spend a few moments on deciding and discerning uh, how to do this well and how to do this properly. So from the text, uh, the first being, do they distort who Christ is? Right? The technical term is having a Christological view. Who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? Now, there's three huge portions to this so that we can be certain on who Jesus was. So first being, is he fully God and fully man? Was he fully God when he was present on earth and was he fully man? 100% of both, right? We have to believe that he is 100% of both. Secondly, that Jesus is the divine word of God, that he is the Logos. As it says in in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And finally, Jesus is the only way to eternity. He is our only way to salvation. As it says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a sweet gift that is. You know, coming back to the five solas, one of those points was solus Christus. In Christ alone, we are saved. And there's no other way that we can obtain salvation. There's not these multiple routes up to these mountains to this one point, and there's multiple ways to God. No, Christ said himself that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if someone has a correct and biblical view of Christ, we can be certain (laughs) that they're speaking truth to us, right? 
So the first test is who they believe Jesus to be, and the second is how the world views this teacher. See, my friends, when, when John uses the word world, so coming back to, to the, to the uh, verse, chapter, uh, verse 4, he who is in the world, they are from the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world listens to them. What he's meaning by the word world is that he's not only talking about um, just random everyday folks, but what he's talking about is those who are actively against God and actually show hostility towards him. Now, now if this person is showing hostility and is against God, chances are they might be a false teacher, right? <laughs> That's just going to be my bet. And see, these, the world loves these type of people because they don't have to believe in Christ. They don't want to listen to it. So therefore, if the world thinks of them highly, we should probably be on guard about it. Now, this is the very circumstance that Martin Luther found himself in, right? He was studying, he was studying what the church was saying and, and the doctrines of the church of that day. And while he was studying the word of God, he found that it was only by grace alone, by faith alone, through Christ alone, that one is saved. Now, the church of the day was selling penance. Now, penance were just paper certificates in order to gain righteousness, to gain a righteous standing with the Lord, to either by themselves or by loved ones into heaven from purgatory. Now, this was a big problem for Martin Luther because he didn't see this in Scripture. which these purchases of these penance made money and built these massive cathedrals and buildings and made the church rich, which then put even a bigger burden on the poor, on the peasant. So not only do they have the weight of their sin and guilt, but they have a huge financial burden on them because who doesn't want to enter heaven? Who doesn't want to bask in the glory of the Lord, right? So Martin Luther addresses this in his theses, saying any true repentant Christian has a right to full remission of penalty and guilt, even without indulgence letters. Meaning that like you don't need a paper certificate or you don't need an exchange between the church and oneself. They just need the righteousness of Christ. <laughs> right? That there is nothing more that one can do or should do in order to have God see them as more righteous than they already were in Christ alone. And if we Christians are truly from God, we should be confident in our standing with him. Just as it says in verse 6, we are from God. See, if we truly put our faith in Christ in his death and resurrection, we can have great, great confidence that we are in him. That God sees us without a blemish, without a spot, without a stain because of the righteousness of Christ. Just as we just sang in Christ alone, right? As he stands in victory, since curses lost his grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Martin Luther continues in his 62nd thesis, the true treasure of the church is the most holy gospel. 
of the glory and grace of God. My friends, this, this gospel is far better than anything we can encounter. Anything manufactured by the church or the church of that day or even today. The gospel is our treasure. It is our prize. And as Martin Luther was studying the scriptures, being a great student of them, he came across Romans 1.17, which is transformational for him, which says, for in it, talking about the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This was a key verse for him because his whole life, he was, he was deep in legalism. He was so worried about what to do and what not to do that he would spend hours upon hours in the confessional confessing these minute sins. Any little thing that he would, would consider a sin, he would just sit there and talk the guy's ear off. And finally, they just had to say, come back when you have a sin worthy enough to confess. Which then only fueled Martin Luther's hatred and anger for the Christian life. Because he was, he was in this understanding that I am a sinful man. I continually have faults against the Lord. And when I do, his wrath is right there to punish me. I can't win. We're abiding in Christ. And by this, Luther's realization of being justified by Christ alone, by faith alone, as a result, he was put on trial. See, these 95 theses and the other works and writings were, they viewed him as propaganda against the church. So they put him on trial. And what they told him was, you needed to reject your writings and your thesis statements. So what did Martin Luther say? He said, revoco? You want me to revoco that I recant? I will not recant unless I'm convinced by the sacred scripture or by evident reason. I cannot recant, for my conscience is held captive by the word of God. And to act against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. So because he did not reject his 95 thesis or his other works, he was excommunicated from, excommunicated from the church. Basically, in that time, that understanding was they had the right to deem him to hell, which was a huge blow to him. But what it did was it ignited, it reignited the gospel flame into an existence. See, the, the church at the time was only based by works, it was how you can earn your salvation. There was no preaching of in Christ alone that we are saved from our sins or freedom in him. And through the Reformation, the doctrine of justification was reformed to, to this. That although we have sinned against our great God, it is by grace alone that the Lord has freely given salvation to us. And although we have fallen short of the glory of God, it is by faith alone we are saved. 
not by the works that we can do in order to earn salvation. And finally, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that it is only by Christ alone who is our advocate and our redeemer. And that by him and him alone, we can receive life and justification from our sins and faults against him. Now, if it wasn't for someone like Martin Luther to stand firm in the word of God and in his convictions, then the gospel would have, cl- would have stayed closed shut to the peasant. We would have not gotten these writings. We would not have a, hold this book in our hands if it wasn't for someone to stand up for the truth of the gospel. And my friends, we need these people today. We need these people. We need people who know the word of God, we need, who have been transformed by the word of God, who stand firm in the word of God. We need people who can clearly tell others about the gospel of Jesus Christ that are not just willing to leave the spreading of the gospel for others, but actually take it upon themselves. And finally, we need those who take seriously the teaching of God's word. Why should we take this seriously? Well, frankly, because God t- takes it seriously. As it says in Deuteronomy chapter 12, 32 through 30, uh, 13, verse 5. Everything that I command you, you shall, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or wonder, and the sign or wonder he tells you comes to pass, and if he's... And if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let's, let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You should walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. I think it's so interesting in that passage how it describes us that we should love the Lord God, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and obedience comes after the love for him, the faith and the cherishing moment of the gospel in your life. Continuing on, we ought to, we ought to test new teaching and also what is being taught against Scripture continually. I hope you friends here aren't trusting uh, this guy up here <laughs> to give you the truth, right? You're, you're bringing it back to Scripture. You're bringing it back to, are these things true? Are, are these things right? Like that, that's the very reason why I like bringing my Bible to church, is that I can continually test what the pastor or whoever's preaching against scripture and being like, is this something that I can truly effectually add to my life? That's sweet. What a sweet uh, gift we have. But all this to say, we ought to take seriously the the teaching of God's word. We should be careful and discerning of what is being taught. But also, I, I want to encourage you guys to not be so analytical, not saying you are, but if we are so caught up in who's a false teacher and who's not and who's preaching, who's preaching truth and who isn't, we can get so analytical and critical of the church. 
I know I got this way. Levi can attest to this. Uh, out of Bible college, us Bible college students love to, uh, we're, when we're fresh out of our hermeneutics class, which is just how to interpret the Bible, uh, we love to point out out-of-context verses. We love it, right? Right, Levi? Yeah, I kind of wore off on him a little bit in a bad way. <laughs> but whenever the, now it's just like a running joke between me and Levi of like, if we just see like a Bible verse on like the wall or like on someone's picture or something on Instagram or whatever it might be, we're just like, oh, out of context. Like, can't trust it, out of context, which is kind of funny, but... But I made it a joke now because I, I got so in my head about being so analytical and critical of the church and who's preaching, who's not. And so instead of sitting in the pew or the seats, I wasn't asking myself, what can I apply to my life? It was, what are they saying that's wrong? And I can prove them wrong by doing it. Just as Luther did, he did not want to start a revolution, but rather a discussion about what is being taught. He wasn't trying to be over, overly critical. He was just trying to maintain his conviction to the word of God. So this week, as we close, as we wrap up, this week, I want to just encourage you all who are stuck in your houses and in quarantine watching online, what an awesome opportunity you have to read your Bible and study it and, and know it well. But also for all of us, I want to encourage us to think about the gospel this week. Think about how great of a gift it is to us. Coming out of the Reformation Day, that is by grace alone, by faith alone, through Christ alone that we are saved. Isn't that sweet? That is by grace alone, by faith alone, through Christ alone that we are saved. So let's pray and then we can... Head out of here, yeah? Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to do just that, is just rest in your gospel. How quick am I to reserve myself for a works-based salvation, to earn your favor, to earn your good standing, Lord, but you have freely given it to me. You have freely given it to all of us if we've put our faith in you, Jesus. What a great and gracious gift that is. What a burden it is off our shoulders. What a weight off our chest, Lord. That your son's death and resurrection is the sole cause and sole purpose that I can have a relationship with you. So Lord, we thank you. Thank, thank you for just the gift that happened 500 years ago. That we have men in our in our history to change the course that we can just freely have the word of God in our hands to freely speak about the gospel Lord it's a a, a great and gracious gift that you've given us Lord Heavenly Father I pray that we can uh, meditate on these these things and, and, and talk about them and discuss them with others around us as we go out this week Lord Give us strength and encouragement to get through this, through this time and uh, through everyday sorrows and tribulations, Lord, but also the massive effect that COVID is having on our country. 
Lord, calm our hearts, calm our spirits in you, Jesus. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.